You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Let's go back to our, our series here. We're in uh, the Gospel of, according to Matthew. Uh, quick, uh, we're six weeks into it, and we're already almost halfway through chapter four. Look at us. Crushing it. And just so you know, it's not going to get a whole lot faster when we get into the, uh, into the uh, Sermon on the Mount. Um. Just a review of where we are. Matthew, who is Matthew? He's the author. This is the gospel according to Matthew. Who is Matthew? He is a Jew. He is a tax collector. And uh, he's the author of this gospel. Um, this message was written to uh, the Jews. It's a gospel to the Jews or Jewish Christians. Um, his social status as he entered that was not very, he was not very highly thought of. He was working for the enemy. He's an outsider amongst his own people group. And so when he writes this good news, he's writing this good news to talk about, you know, outsiders, to talk about people who think they're in, who may want to rethink where they're at. And so there's three things I'd like you to be considering today as we dive into this uh, text and the scripture. Three things for you to be pondering. Number one, are you engaged like your Jesus was? Are you engaged into the kingdom of God and is passionate about it and seeing how you can fulfill what God has called you you to do like your Jesus was? Are you invested wholeheartedly into the kingdom of God? That's one thing I want you to think about. The second thing I want you to think about is how is your light? How is your light? How is your light Vertically, and you'll get what I mean a little bit later. And how is your light horizontally? And what kind of path are you illuminating? And the third thing I want you to be considering today is, is the kingdom of heaven someday for you? Is it out there? Or is the kingdom of heaven for you right now? So join me as we look at our text here. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, 12 through 17, five entire verses today. And let's uh, read this gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
So I want to set the stage uh, on location, 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 and address a couple of these phrases that, that we're going to talk about here today and here. So uh, the first thing is you, you hear some names maybe that you're not familiar with. So let's take a look at this first map. Uh, what That quote is from the Isaiah 9. And they talk about uh, Zebulun and Naphtali. And that's in the pink there. And you can see where Nazareth is and Zebulun. So that's the two areas that are being referenced in Isaiah X number of hundred years before Jesus is even on the scene uh, and being talked about. And that Isaiah passage later on is the Christmas pack passage that you hear people talk about, about for to us a child is born, a wise counselor, all those things. And so it's connecting all of these pieces. And so just when you're thinking about location in these words, they mean something to the people then, they mean something to now. So that's the region that they're talking about when they say Zebulun and Naphtali. Those aren't people's names. Those are places, um, and that's the region. Let's go to the next map. We'll spend some time on this next map as well. <coughs> so this is the Galilee. As you experience the gospel of Matthew, location is really important. And I remember going to Israel for uh, some of the first times when we would get to a certain point, and they would take us up to this point, and they would be like, all right, look right here. And you're like, okay, cool. You're overlooking the Sea of Galilee, and you're seeing all this. And they're like, 70 to 80% of all the things that you're reading in the gospels, you can see where they happen from this point right here. And you're like, whoa, well, that's, that's amazing. And so why would Jesus go to the Galilee? Why would, why would this be a place that he would withdraw to? This is the Sea of Galilee. Uh, it's eight miles wide. It's, I think it's uh, 13, maybe 13, 20 miles uh, long. And uh, it is like their Lake Coeur d'Alene. I remember going there for one of the very first times uh, and seeing this, and we were there in a holiday time frame, and there's a guy just in his wakeboard boat out there. And you're like, that's the Sea of Cali, don't you know? How could you have your wakeboard boat in there? You know, and I remember last time I was there, we were trying to do these messages, and these guys had their boat down there, and we're doing this like really serious message, and it's like boom, 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 boom. And like all this rock music coming out of their speakers of their wakeboard boat, and the guy on his jet ski like zipping in there, they're like, hey, and you're just like, this is a very holy moment. <laughs> I wonder if Jesus was like, get your get your you know wakeboard boat out of here. I'm trying to teach. No. Imagine if he would have had a jet ski. How cool would that have been, huh? Um, so, so you see this triangle at the top up there, and maybe you've heard of some of these names in this text, and like, woe to you, Bethsaida or Chorazin. And all of these things are happening in this triangle. And you'll, we'll talk about some of the things that happened in Capernaum. But the Galilee is where he withdrew to. And that, that's an interesting phrase of withdrawing. So you see at the front there, he says like, oh, he uh, heard about John the Baptist uh, being put in prison, so he withdrew. And like when you first read that, or we read that through our American eyes, we're like, oh, must have been scared. So you see where Nazareth is at the bottom left over here? That's where he was. Nazareth is kind of like off of the beaten path on purpose. And uh, it's not as easy to get there. And there's, you know, they, they wanted to be off the beaten path on purpose. And so he leaves from Nazareth. And they talk about this idea of withdrawing. And he goes to Capernaum. So I want to tell you that Jesus is not withdrawing from anything. He is relocating into the heart of the battle. 
He is relocating into the heart of rabbinical schools of thought. The the rabbis around the Galilee were very, very, very well known. Some of the most famous rabbis of Jesus' time were all around that area called the Galilee. And they're debating and they're they're having these discussions or are are going like when is this kingdom? Like remember, like they he hasn't died yet. He hasn't risen yet. They're waiting and wondering. They've had four hundred years of, of silence. And so they're speculating what's going on. And so when you think about this, over here where it says uh, uh, Gergeso, that area right there on the right side of the Sea of Galilee, if you're facing this, yeah, that side, that is an area called the Decapolis. Deca, 10, polis, city, 10 cities. And that's Roman as Roman. You might even hear a story later on about pigs being driven off of a cliff. That didn't happen in the Jewish area. That happened in the Roman area, the side in the Decapolis. You might have heard a story in the in the text about um, this this guy had two sons, and one requested his inheritance, and he left, and he went to a far off land. And his father would go out and look for him. Maybe his son went to the Decapolis, the Las Vegas of their time, and so that's on this side over here. Go to the other side where it says Tiberius. This is the Sadducees. This is the people who are like, they, they know the rules. They know some of the stuff, but they're kind of movers and shakers and business dealers. And they're over here in the fancy part. That is like downtown Coeur d'Alene, the really fancy side. It's not these, you know, uh, folks that are from Harrison. Some of you guys get it. <laughs> if you know the lake very well. Um, and so this is like the, the hot to trot. Okay, so you could see that and you could see like, okay, fakers, fakers, super sinners, and people who are trying to figure it out on the north side up here. And so as you go through the stories, it's to be important to remember and to, and to think about those names. And when you see those names, you know, you're going to be putting them on a place. You can see different things. Here's a couple pictures. Let's go to another picture I think I have up there. It's one of the lessons I was at. Uh, this last, uh, I think this would be 2022, and we're sitting there doing a lesson, and we're looking towards the west. We're looking towards like Tiberias, kind of the west and northwest. And we're sitting there learning about the things that are happening around the Sea of Galilee. Let's take a look at another picture. This is from the north side of it. To the bottom right down there would be uh, Capernaum, and this is from the north side. We're looking down uh, towards the Dead Sea. And so you can see this Sea of Galilee is an awesome place to be. It's a great, it's a great lake, but there's lots of things happening. Let me tell you something else. Go back to the, uh, not the first map, but the second map, the 204 villages map. Jesus puts himself right in the highly, highly trafficked area of the known world. If you were going to go to Rome, there's a couple paths you could take. You could stay on the highway, on the coastal highway, but you could also come up through here. And you want to be by these places like Magdala where they salt fish because you need fish that doesn't rot for your journey. And so there's a King's Highway, but there's also another highway that would come through here that people would be walking through. And as people are going from Rome to Egypt, traveling back and forth, back and forth, covering about 20 miles a day, guess how fast Jesus' message could spread? He could spread it 20 miles north in a day. He could spread it 20 miles south in a day. And so God puts him on the turnstile. And he doesn't put him in some place where you're just going to go take your Christianity and hide and hide away and not have to talk to anybody and you're going to be safe. Maybe Essenish. 
He puts them right in the path. And I wonder if God has put us right in the path. Why are we here in Moscow? Well, it's not a very big city, Josh. I know, we have like 10, 11,000 people that come to our city every year called students, and they don't stay here. They disperse around the world, and what do they experience while they're here? What kind of Jesus are they being introduced to at the university? Who's adopting them while they're here? Who's reaching them? And so I would submit to us that we are also on the turnstile of the world right here. And so Jesus dives into the depths of what's going on in his message can move. Location is very important. <coughs> in Capernaum right here, here's a couple things that maybe happen. Maybe next week you might hear about uh, Jesus calling Peter, Andrew, James in Capernaum. Maybe you heard about this, uh, Jesus heals a centurion servant in Capernaum. Maybe you've heard about him hearing a paralytic in Capernaum. Maybe you've uh, heard about that he eats with sinners and tax collectors in Capernaum. Maybe uh, you've heard about Jesus healing a woman who, who had hemorrh- hemorrhages in Capernaum. Maybe you've heard of the Mount of Beatitudes not very far. This is an action-packed place. And this is where your Lord chooses to spend the majority of his three years in ministry. So this message could spread that we have today. So this idea, when Jesus heard that John had been put in baptism, he withdrew to the Galilee. He went from Nazareth to the middle of the action. He was not afraid. He put himself in the center of what is going on. Location, location, location. Be thinking about that as we talk about the Gospels. You can look at your map, have a map out when you're reading your text, and you're like, okay, where is that? There'll be stories in the text that Jesus will be saying. He'll be like, you know, it's almost like somebody not counting the cost. Like they try and build something, and they, don't know, they didn't know how much it would take to build it, and they fail at building it as he's walking by a tower in Tiberias. See, he's pointing and showing his disciples things as he's walking with them. And these aren't some mythical parallels or, or uh, uh, parables or some good ideas. Like this is like real stuff that he can see that's happening. And it's real to his people. I want to go to this uh, verse 16 here, jump down to verse 16. And it says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. This prophecy piece on those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Remember, they've had 400 years of silence. They're not hearing, they're, not, they're wondering what's going on, and now the light has come. And this great light is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to talk about light and darkness for a bit. I wonder what your experience is with light and darkness. I want to tell you about a story that, uh, where I really experienced and remember experiencing darkness for the first time physically. I took my family um, on a uh, trip, and we uh, were, were in the uh, caves over in near between the Bozeman and uh, Butte. And as we were going through these caves, we were on this journey, and you're kind of twisting and turning, and it was really amazing. The Lewis and Clark Caverns is what they're called. Nothing compared to the ones down in New Mexico, by the way, but it's kind of cool. And so as we're going through this cave, it's getting darker. But we have lights. There's good, good news. 
we have some lights. And so the gal talks to us as we're going through this cave, and she's like, you know, it gets to be pretty dark in here. And, and a lot of people, let me tell you a story about a guy who got lost because he, he didn't, his, his lamp broke or went out. He dropped his lamp and he was in here. And it got so dark that he got lost in here and he kept going in circles and he couldn't find his way out. And I wonder when we think about light and darkness where you see true light. So she gave us this example as she was um, walking us. We all, she said, why don't you guys all turn your lights off? And so we all turned our lights off and she was the only one that had a light. And it was kind of weird. No, um, she had her light and, uh, don't do that. Um, and she said, have you been in total, total darkness before? And you're like, well, yeah, I close my eyes. And she's like, no, I mean darkness, darkness. She goes, let me turn off my light. And she turned, now we have too much light in here. I was trying to kill them all, but no. Um, she, she, she said, she turned off her light and it was, it was over. Like you couldn't, your eyes are open, like you're looking, but you could see nothing. Like your hands going in front of your face and you could see nothing. And you could see how if you got off the path, you could get lost in there. And you could see how if you got off the path, you could be walking and you can get in trouble and you could be coming over here and you could just, oh, that hurts sometimes to get off the path. And you can kind of just be bouncing around off the walls and bouncing off of things. And man, I am off the path. I'm off the path physically sometimes. Don't take care of myself. Don't work out. Eat the things I shouldn't eat like today at the Super Bowl party. <coughs> That's intentionality. That's being intentional. Um, but you get off the path and you're kind of seeing things. And have you ever been off the path maybe like spiritually? Where you're looking for some light or maybe you don't even know you're off the path. And all of a sudden you still stay off the path and maybe you're like, oh, I think I found the path. Well, this is a path over here. And you come out here and you're like, got it. And you're like, all right. Woo! Hey, I found the path that leads to a cool party out here. Lots of beer. Lots of other cool stuff. Whoa, okay, it's wrong path. Wrong path. And so maybe you're, you're, you're fumbling around as you're looking for your path in life, and maybe you look at the screen up here. And it says, how sweet are your words to the taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. You hate every wrong path when you gain understanding to his precepts. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. How's your light? Your battery's good? Are they checked out? Light's pretty important, but being on the correct path is really important. And sometimes being on the wrong path leads to losing your way. And sometimes it even leads to physical death or spiritual death. So where... In your life, do you need light? Need light in your marriage? I was 
was thinking about this question this morning as I was preparing, and I always try and get my sermon team is so good. They're like, okay, that's a good idea, but make it concrete, Josh. Like, make it concrete. What do you mean? Yeah, sure, light. I was thinking about myself. I'm like, you know where I need light? I need light in learning how to be a good father to adult children. I've never been a father to adult children before. This is my first time. They don't really like it when I try and treat them like they were 10. It's not really received well. I need light to be shed on what it looks like to be an awesome grandpa. I've never been a grandpa before. I didn't even have good models of what a good grandpa looked like. I want to be a good grandpa. But I need light for that. I need to understand what that looks like. I need that to be illuminated. I need light on how to handle certain work situations. There's a whole bunch of things I've never experienced as a lead pastor of a church before. And so I try and get counsel. I talk to my elders. I talk to my mentor. I look for it because I know the path I'm on is a dangerous one. Like how we love Josh was really important. He's got a great future. And how we handle this as a body and how we handle it as a staff and as elders is really important. I need to learn what it looks like to, to be a good husband. I've never been a husband uh, at home for uh, this long without having any kids. Somehow we made those. I need to know what it looks like to be a good son for my ailing parents. I don't have an older brother. I don't have a, a, a sister or anybody else. I'm the one that's going to be helping take care of my parents. And it's getting to a point where that's, that's close. I need counsel on how to do that. I need light. His light. And some people in here can share their light with me. Dennis can share his light with me. One of my elders and one of my close friends, he can share with me what it looks like to be a good grandpa. We can talk about that. So where can you share light? Where in your spiritual life is it dark? How did it get that way? How do I, how do I find the light? Could I even turn it on if I did find it? And I see all the, I turn on, finally turn it on, and there's all these paths, but like which one's the right path? When you think about the light, your father loves you so much he didn't leave you without a, without a path. Your heavenly father. There's a right and a wrong way to do some things. And he's not just making you guess. He's like, here, here, investigate. And when you turn on that light and start seeing things, that light starts to illuminate some things in your heart and you can become a light to other folks. And then there's people in the room here that also have their light. And if we were to keep this whole place dark and half of you that know how to turn on your light on your phones, we start to light things up a little bit more. Like we could start to see a little bit better. And we could have some vision and some purpose and know where we're going. Not just as individuals, but as a body of Christ. How's your light?
last point I want to make today is the last from the last piece of uh, scripture here is repent. Jesus, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Didn't we hear that just a, a little bit before when we talked about John the Baptist and what his message was? And Jesus talks about this, repent, teshuva. Remember that sign we had, the road sign? I don't know if we have it in there. Teshuva. Return permitted. Come back to the path that you can now see because you turned on the light or somebody turned it on for you. The kingdom of heaven is near. It's right here. It's right here. It's right here. Like you guys are the kingdom of heaven, right? The kingdom of heaven is all around us. Where is the kingdom of heaven in your life? Hey, do you know that the kingdom of heaven, let me show you somewhere else it is. Hey, it's the kingdom of heaven. No, hi guys. Sorry, that was loud. I was excited though. But the kingdom of heaven is out there. It's not even just in the church. It's not just amongst somebody who's a pastor. Like you are the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven is now. It's not for some, yeah, it's later and it's now. You're saved for something, for a purpose. So if you can't find the kingdom of heaven, let us come and show you the light. Let's do it together. I've got so much to learn from so many of you. You have so much to learn from the people around you. Do you want it? So back to the three questions. Are you engaged like your Jesus was? Are you withdrawing away from the kingdom of God? Or are you withdrawing into the kingdom of God? If we want to use that word correctly. Are you putting yourself right in the middle of the crossroads? Are you as invested wholeheartedly in the kingdom of God? How is your light? How is your light vertically? You connected here? Is it flicker? Is it on and off sometimes? Because when this thing is messed up, this is messed up. The better you are here, the better you're going to be in all of your relationships. And the kingdom of heaven is not someday. It's not somewhere else. The kingdom of heaven is near and it's now. And we're called to be active. I love the things where we're like, hey, you know, when do you think the end of the times are? And like we do the end time stuff and that's fun to talk about. But you know what you should be doing when Jesus comes back, whenever that is, since he only knows the day, the time, and the hour his father does? What should you be doing? Debating with other Christians about when he's going to come back and ignoring all the lost people. No, you should be like doing what he asked us to do, just like I should be doing. We should be making disciples. We should be investing in our neighbors. We should be investing in each other. We should be really concerned about who's going to win the Super Bowl. We should know more stats about the Super Bowl than we know about Jesus. Isn't it sad? Like this is one of the highest spousal abuse days. Because some idiot dude's going to be mad because his team lost. Because he put money that he probably couldn't afford to lose on a stupid game. How many people remember who was the Super Bowl champ eight years ago? Just one person. Go. Who was it? <laughs> 
Who won the Super Bowl eight years ago? <laughs> if you're like, Google, who won the Super Bowl? It changed your life that much? What was the best commercial eight years ago? Clydesdale, you can't say that. That's every year. That was not a truthful answer. The kingdom of heaven is now. And we are invited to engage in it like our Lord did. We are invited to get in the battle with our brothers and sisters to shine light to the kingdom, to shine light around and to do it with love and compassion. And I invite you to do that as well. We're going to take this time and go to communion. And today I want to maybe do it a little bit differently. You know, at this point, this is Jesus' one and only message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is is near. And so we want to be like our Jesus. If you missed communion, you can grab one. Our guys will raise your hand and our guys will get it to you. Ron will. But let's think about some of the things that we observed our Lord doing. So join me as we pray. Lord, in the kingdom of heaven, have I observed you? You prayed for the sick. You prayed for those who are sick physically. You prayed for those who are sick spiritually. You prayed for those who are sick financially. Lord, bringing those things to mind all those things that we know and how you fought sickness, Lord, we ask you to heal. Bring to our mind those that we know around us that are sick, Father. Jesus, you came to seek and to save what was lost. And what was lost was the path. We got off of it. We missed it. Lord, I ask that you would just soften the ears of those that are off your path, whether they're in here or wherever they, they are, Father God. That we would hear you and that our eyes would be open to your path. And so, Lord, I just ask you to just bring to mind to your people in here, the people that they know need the light. And finally, Father, you covered, you covered all of our sins in here everything in the past and for all eternity in the future. What we're about to celebrate is your blood that was shed and covering all of these things. And so, Lord, if any of us have any unconfessed sin right now that's just hanging out in our world, I ask that you would just bring that to our mind, Lord, and that we could bring it and lay it at your feet before we enter this time of communion with you. Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed he took the bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body it's for you do this in remembrance of me father we lord we remember you in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant it's in my blood do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Lord, we want to proclaim you well. We love you.
Thanks, Father, for this time with my my friends here, Lord. I'm asking that your powerful, powerful word and your powerful actions would move us. That we just don't want to know your stats. We want to be true Christians, little Christ. We want to become like you. We want to follow you. Help us, Father, to do that in a powerful way as we get ready to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.